Good morning. How you doing? Doing. I have I have volume today. Last week we had a problem. Would you stand with me? Welcome to church. If you're with us live, if you're with us online, we're glad to see you today. Jesus, we welcome you in this place. Be glorified by everything that's sung and said and prayed and spoken about. May your May you be elevated, Jesus. May your spirit have freedom to move in and among us. God, change our hearts. We pray this today in your name. Amen. We sing with me. I raise a hallelujah.
Jesus, we love you. We glorify your name.
come to a time of prayer, I've been uh, thinking through the, the events, things of this last week, and I'd like for Sunday to be a time of celebration where you come together and celebrate the things of God, but also sometimes it's the only time we sit down during the week to just say, hey God, I'm, I'm finally listening. And you start to realize all the things he's been saying to you throughout the week, and um, Janice, I want to know, as you, as you came with some prayer requests this morning, we'll remember you. Uh, because what I am finding more and more as I'm finally becoming an old man, you know, you can tell. Kids are speeding that up. God is a God of freedom and who loves to set you free from the things that are that become bondage in your life. And uh, this, this week I felt he has been helping me see some of that. And some things that were once good and in him and leading down his way. And he's saying, you have freedom to grow beyond that even. And so I want you to really just say, God, what do you want to set me free from? God, where do you want me to grow closer in you and find life like we never imagined it? So let's pray together as we just turn to him and say, God, 
Where is it that you're leading that we never expected? And Father, we praise you. We love you, God. And we, we really want to comprehend your love and your freedom, your grace, the, how you show us mercy from what we might truly deserve. And Lord, we want to grow in you. And if there are things that we have, false barriers and walls that we've put up, even in your name, Lord, show us how to not pay attention to that anymore. Tear down those walls. We want to be closer to you than ever. We see a hurting world around us that just isn't being touched. So help us to look to the outside. But joining hands, working together to really usher your kingdom in. We know it's going to look different than how things have looked in the past. Help us to not fear. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We lift up those who are hurting, those who are scared, even those among us who who are struggling. Give us the eyes to see that hurt and to join with them, to love them as, as you created us to do. We praise you, Father, and we look forward to you revealing yourself in brand new ways, not just today, but every day. All this, glory in your name. Amen. I know uh, Pastor Garen wanted to have a, a special time of prayer here, so I'm going to turn it over to him as uh, we've had some uh, unfortunate events, but we know that God's going to work work in an unusual way with us. Yeah. Um, most of you know Sherry. Um, she is on our board. She was right here last Sunday leading us in worship. She was in a, a pretty substantial head-on collision this past Sunday, and um, she and Jeff are watching us from the hospital this morning. Hey, guys. And um, she asked that we would uh, anoint someone on her behalf. She has many, many, many broken bones. Corey, I'm going to lower this because I, I feel like I'm ringing. Do what? Did that help it? All right. Um, she has many broken bones. She has a long road to recovery. And yet, we are thankful when you look at pictures from the crash. I don't know how else to say it other than God was with them um, in that situation because it, it looks like it could have been so much worse than it was. And so, I've, I've asked Justin if he would mind standing in the gap for Sherry this morning. Um, Justin serves with her in many areas. And so, I'm going to anoint him. If you're new to us or not familiar with it, uh, we anoint people because God's word says to anoint people. Um, And so uh, there is nothing magical or special about this oil. But we believe that when we come to God and we anoint people that God does something otherly. And we can't explain it, but we know that when we present people to God. God is faithful. And so we're going to pray right now. And so Justin, I'm going to have you step up here. Justin, I make the sign of the cross on your forehead. And God, I pray right now, I pray that you will um, be with Sherry and Jeff even now in their hospital room. God, I thank you for the miracle that they 
that uh, Sherry and Abby survived the accident. I thank you for the way that you have given them doctors that have wisdom because you've created our bodies in an orderly fashion. They've been able to work with her and through multiple surgeries already and probably more to come in the coming weeks. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. You've been good. I thank you that you are a God who loves us completely. You are a God who longs for us to ask for the impossible. For, who longs for us to have faith that you are able to do more than we could ever think or imagine. And so, God, we bring our sister Sherry this morning. Yes. We ask that you will do what only you can do. God, you are the one. You can use doctors. You can use medicine. You can divinely do it. But, God, I pray that right now, even in Sherry's hospital bed, that you will be mending her, that you will be healing her, that you will be making her more whole. Body, mind, spirit, soul. Jesus, I thank you that you are a God of completion. You are the God that takes us where we are, and you are the God who brings us into a new and better place. God, I thank you that you can take situations like this that have happened and that you can turn them around and use them for your glory. It doesn't mean that you caused the accident, but it means that you can receive glory through it. And so I pray that you'll be with Sherry as she's meeting with doctors and therapists and things like that, that you will help her to be light to be salt. God, that you will take what is a horrible situation and that you will turn it around for your glory. God, I pray right now that even as you are healing her, that you will use her as an agent of healing to those around her. I thank you. God, I thank you that you are the kind of God that tells us to come to you. We can look throughout history and see other false gods that simply say, do this for me. And you are a God that says, come to me. Thank you that you are an ever-present help in time of need. Thank you that you are a rock. Thank you that you are our shelter. Thank you that you are our healer. You are our provider. You are more than enough. And so right now, we entrust Sherry and Jeff to you. We trust you because you're a good God. And we thank you. And even now, we praise you for what's going to happen in the hours, days, weeks, and months to come. Because we know that you are working things out for your good. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus, the one who has conquered death in the grave. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, the one who is sitting at your right hand, interceding for us right now. We pray this all in the name of Jesus, the one who promised that the Holy Spirit would come upon us and fill us. And we would see greater things even than he did when the Spirit comes. And so, God, we pray this in that same Jesus name. Amen. Mm. Mm. You know, that last song was kind of getting to me a little bit. You know, um, what a beautiful name it is, Jesus. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we don't, we can't comprehend sometimes how powerful that name really is. Jesus, just the name alone. I mean, we think, when you think, oh yeah, what a beautiful name it is, Jesus. And we sit there and we, and we think of all the good things that God has done. But do we really know the power that is in that name? That the enemy trembles at that name. That the enemy has to flee at that name. And so if you will, real quick, just if you could think for a moment. I know a lot of times, I, you know, I try to leave all the junk outside of these doors that goes on outside of these doors Monday to, Monday to Saturday outside. I try to leave it outside of the doors and come in with like a fresh heart. Well, bring some of that stuff in real quick. I want you to think of some of the stuff that you might have went through this week or this month or this year, whatever the case is. And just think over whatever it is that could be bothering you right now in your life.
Or maybe even you're thinking of a blessing that's happening right now in your life. But get that in your mind real quick, okay? A circumstance that you might be facing. And I want to just take a moment and plead the name of Jesus over that circumstance in your life. Over this church. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. For whatever it is that you're going through, church, Jesus. For the blessings that you are receiving, Jesus. For what may seem like everything is going chaotic in your life right now, Jesus. For the ones that aren't able to be here with us right now, Jesus. For our family members, Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And so we plead it over this church, over this city. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Church, there is power in the name of Jesus. If you're ever in a circumstance, I do it all the time. Every single time something comes running up in my head that I know shouldn't be there, I just, Jesus, 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 and then all of a sudden it's gone. And I'm like, man, and there's power. And so it's just such an awesome opportunity to be able to have that readily available in our artillery. Um, Guys, we serve at this church, right? And if you look around, you're not alone. And so we're reminded at this time of the service that we come together of passing the peace with one another. This is another thing that that name of Jesus does for us, is it gives us a peace that passes all understanding. And so we, we make it a regular weekly thing that we do here where we pass the peace with one another. And it's just saying, hey, look, not only do I want to be one with God and be good with God and have a good relationship with God, but I also want to have a good relationship with everybody around me. You know, we don't want to have like, you know, problems, right? And so that's why we practice this time to just say, hey, may the peace of the Lord be with you. And so... May I be the first to tell you this morning, may the peace of the Lord be with you. Go and take some time to pass that peace with one another, please. Of bringing some announcements. Some events, some calendar things. And the first thing is, I'm so excited to tell you about something new that we are starting today. Has anyone heard of Right Now Media? Right Now Media is like Netflix for the church. It has... Bible studies, it has kids programs, it has songs, it has devotionals, it has marriage things, it has leadership things. It's just an amazing, amazing place where we can have resources that will help us in our spiritual journey. I want you to watch a quick video about Right Now Media and then we'll talk about it afterwards.
Welcome to our study of the Gospel of John. I have fallen in love with the work of Paul as I've studied the book of 1 Corinthians, and I believe you will too. This is where Jesus taught in Capernaum, and you have to understand this scene. The Lord is my shepherd. And over the next six weeks, we're going to look deeply into the 23rd Psalm. Right now, media. It's for groups. It's for personal devotion. It's for parents. The bullseye of parenting is to raise children who become like Jesus. It's for kids. This is Phil. We're digging into the Bible, which, as we've mentioned, is more than just a book. It's for tough times. So when you recognize that you're trying to have a conversation with your spouse and they're not ready to talk, it's not helpful to keep pressing them. It's for every phase of life. If you've made mistakes with money, you know what that makes you? Over 12. And now, it's yours. We've purchased a Right Now Media subscription for everyone in our church. So check your inbox for the digital invitation and download the app for instant access to thousands of biblically-based videos. Get equipped. Get inspired. I am so excited. Um, If you are a member or a regular attender and we have your email... You already have an invite in your inbox. If you don't have an invite, it's because we don't have your email. But that's okay. We can fix that. You can simply text PONAS to that number or pull out your phones and scan that QR. And it will take you to the Port Orange Nazarene site so that you can have it too. This is for everyone. If you're online, for those of you that that worship with us in different states. This is for you. I love, I love the opportunity and the potential for personal growth, for small groups, for different demographics, whether it's men and women or children. I love that this is going to be an opportunity for us to grow deeper with God and stronger together. This is great. So, Hopefully you have the email, but you might want to snap that picture just in case so that if you don't have it, when you go home, you can set it up and you can start perusing. It's an amazing thing. And if you don't have an email from us, I would love for you to just go to office at pionaz.church and let us know your information. We'll add it into the system. It just simply means we didn't have it. So right now, media, this is going to be something that our small groups are going to be be using. This is going to be something that you can use, whether it's finances or leadership or anything. And it's yours and it's free. We're taking care of it. That's how important we feel like this is. This is going to be a tool for discipleship that is invaluable. So enjoy. The second thing I want to talk about is our good neighbor offering. For the month of February, we want our Good Neighbor Offering to go to help Sherry Buhlman and her family with the medical expenses that are mounting up hourly. And so if you uh, want to help us partner with Sherry in this endeavor, you can, um, on a check on the memo line, put GNO or Good Neighbor. Um, If you text give, you can text your amount and then write the word help because the Good Neighbor Offering is there to help people. Or if you give online digitally, there's a drop-down for Good Neighbor Offering. Uh, I just want to thank you. Our Good Neighbor Offering, we started this six months ago to help 
people to help. I mean, we've, we've sent money to churches that have been flooded. We've sent money to Haiti. We've helped individuals. Our good neighbor offering. You guys, oh, I'm so proud of the way our church gives and gives and gives. We see a need and we feel a need. A lot of churches aren't like that. No, I don't want to say that. Every church is like that, but you guys do it really, really well. And so we want to help Sherry through the month of February. So you can give to her uh, by helping us with the Good Neighbor Offering. And the last thing I want to talk about is March 2nd is Ash Wednesday, and we will begin the season of Lent. And we'll be going through a study called These 40 Days. And if you'd like to purchase a book so that you can have a daily devotional for the 40 days of Lent, we have 20 in stock right now. We can order more if we need, but we didn't want to get too many. But you can get one. Just talk to me afterwards, or we'll mention it a little more. We're still about a month away, but wanted to put that on your radar. All right? I think that's it for me. We, uh, we get to continue in our worship with uh, tithes and offerings. And I think the thing that God was pushing on my heart, you know, when it comes to this time of the service is, do you know in Scripture it says that God wants, that God loves a cheerful giver? That he loves a cheerful giver. Somebody that is just like excited about it. They're not kind of like, ugh, time to give. And I want to be honest with you, I take that so serious in my life that there has been a couple times where like the time comes to give and I'm like, Man, you know what? I'm not that happy about it. And I'm like, you know what? I got to go talk with God real fast and figure something out as to why I'm not as excited as I should be about giving. And, uh, you know, and a lot of times we think when we hear the worship music and, and, and the good news and stuff like that, we're, woo! But then when it comes time to giving, we're kind of like, ugh. And so, church, I want to encourage you this morning that the God that we serve, he says, give cheerfully. And if there's something in your heart this morning that might be, yeah, you know what? It's not so cheerful. Then you know what? Go speak with God about it. Talk with him about it. And say, hey, Lord, why is it? You know, because this is an opportunity that we get to give back to him and his ministry. And so let's just take a moment to ask him to bless this time. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity for us to give back to you and for your kingdom. Father, I thank you so much for us to be able to see the fruits of this ministry produced in things like, you know, the bills paid, the mortgage paid off, you know, things like that, Lord. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that we're able to see the fruits of it. Uh, Lord, we thank you for those who came before us who have, uh, you know, helped build this church and, and pay the way for this. And, Father, we ask that, it, that we continue, Lord, that you continue to bless this ministry, that you continue to bless this time of giving that we do for you, Lord. Uh, and, Father, most importantly, I pray this morning. Uh, that as we give, whether it be throughout the week through the text now feature on our website, Lord, or even here this morning on your way out in the drop boxes, Lord, that we give with a cheerful heart. That, Lord, that we understand that everything comes from you and that there's no amount that we could possibly outgive for what you've done for us in our lives. And so, Father, I pray this morning that we are a church and a people that give up time that give up our energy, that give up money, that give up resources, that give up ourselves in a cheerful way to you in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey thank you. Oh, man, I, I got to tell you, this has been a crazy week um, with things happening externally and things happening around the church. And this has been one of those weeks that um, I had my sermon pretty much done on Monday and then I had the second sermon because I felt like God was leading a different way on Thursday. And then yesterday I wrote today's sermon. Um, I got to tell you, you know, so, so you're getting the third sermon. Hopefully it's the best. Um, but, but it may not be, who knows. Um, we are starting a new series called me to we see, cause if you cut on the dotted line and rotate it, the me becomes a we, and we're going to spend the next few weeks talking through some of our core values because our core values, uh, if you're visiting with us or just starting to join us, we want you to know what our core values are. And if you're, you've been with us for a long time. They're good reminders. You will notice them on our back wall. Uh, we simply believe that we gather and we scatter. We grow and we don't stay the same. We're better together. We give our lives away and we practice extravagant generosity. Every single one of those um, statements is a we statement. And so we want to take a few minutes and talk about the we that we are called to be. So we're going to be in the book of Luke chapter 5 for the next two to three to four weeks. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Luke chapter 5. A little bit about Luke. Most believe that he was a physician. He is the one that wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. The book of Luke talks about the birth and the life of Jesus. The book of Acts talks about the birth and the life of the church. And so who better to talk about birth and life than a doctor, right? And so we have Luke. And the thing I love about Luke is throughout his book, I get this gather scatter sense. You come together and you worship and then you scatter and then you come together and you worship and you scatter. Uh, from the very beginning, we have the angel coming to Mary and to Zechariah and Elizabeth, and then Mary and Elizabeth gather, and they worship, and then they scatter. We have baby Jesus being born, and what, what happens? The shepherds. The shepherds hear about Jesus, they gather at the manger, and they worship, and then they scatter, and Luke one seventeen says that as they went, they told everyone they, knew, they, could, they could find about Jesus. They gather, they scatter. Chapter 3 has John the Baptist who would gather crowds and baptize them and send them out on mission. And we have Jesus in Luke 4 coming and gathering at the temple with his first sermon from the book of Isaiah. Rolls up the scroll and what's his sermon about? Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to proclaim good news that, that the, the poor, the prisoners, the oppressed, all these people that are scattered type of people, this is who Jesus came for. And then we get to Luke chapter 5, and it's a great passage, and it's one that a lot of you will know. It's the calling of Peter 
and James and John tag along as well. And so we're going to read this passage. And as we read it, I want you to think about some of these core values and see if you can find some of them in here. We gather and we scatter. We're better together. We don't stay the same. We give our lives away and we practice extravagant generosity. So let's read Luke 5 and see what we see. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper. That seems to be a thing for Jesus, doesn't it? Always wanting to take us deeper, 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 deeper. So he says, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets and catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch a thing. Not exactly what you want your fishermen to say. He must not have been very good at his job. But if you say so, Jesus, I'll let, na- I'll let down the nets again. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in other boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the son of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. Seems to also be a a common thing, right? Mary, don't be afraid. Zechariah, don't be afraid. Isaiah, don't be afraid. Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, new mission. You'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Can you hear some of the core values in that passage? Well, we're going to talk about a little bit of them. First, I want to tell you about Lance. His name is Lance Dill, and he's right there. Lance was an Olympian in the 90s. I actually got to see him in 1996 at the Atlanta Olympics. Lance is known for the hammer throw. In case you don't know what the hammer throw is, it's the 16-pound ball with the chain, and you have a seven-foot circle. This uh, preaching platform is eight foot by eight foot, so take off a foot. And it's the one where, you know, they they start to swing it like this, and then they start to spin around, and then they they chuck it. And they they throw it really far. Well, so here's what happened. In the qualifiers, there were 37 Olympians competing in the hammer throw, and they had to narrow it down to the top 12. And Lance was in first place at the end of the qualifiers. So he advanced to the next round. Well, all the scores start over. And this is the day that I got to see. They were taking the 12, and narrowing it down to 8, and then they would start all over and go for gold. So here's what happened. Lance 
First place yesterday. Well, let me, let me set this up real fast. If you're in the circle, if this is the edge of the circle, your foot can touch the circle. But if your foot goes above, touches the top, or goes over, it's a foul. Done count. First throw, foul. Everybody else goes, the other 11. Second throw, foul. The guy that was in first place yesterday, beating 36 other people, is now in dead last place. He hasn't even had a throw that counted yet. Not good, right? So the third throw, Lance gets up and chucks that bad boy far. In fact, he chucked it all the way to a tie for eighth place. Yeah? So the crowd's going wild. It didn't matter, like, where you were from or who you were rooting for. Everyone was rooting for these Olympians to just do something amazing, and he did. Now, here's the problem. The IOC, the Olympic Committee, all gathered together and said, Hey, Lance, we're sorry. Yes, you tied for eighth, but the rules say we have to have eight that go on to the finals. And since you had two fouls and the other eighth-place person didn't, you're going to have to leave the stadium. And let me tell you, it was, it was the most amazing thing. It didn't matter if you were from Greece or Russia or America or Canada or whatever. You started to hear in the gathering this rumbling, this rumbling that something wasn't right. And they started, we started chanting things like, let him throw. Let him throw and things like that. And, and I mean, they paused the game for, I don't know, 15 minutes. And the IOC got together and they talked and everyone's let him throw, let him throw, let him throw. And finally the IOC came on the speakers and they said, okay, there is technically no rule that prohibits us from having more than one eighth place. And so Lance can throw. And the crowd goes wild. Everyone gathered there is going crazy. Lance has to come back out because he's already like putting on his sneakers and heading to Applebee's. I don't know what he's doing, but he thought it was over. And so Lance comes back out and everyone's cheering. They're, oh, fifth throw. Last place, which is now ninth place. I mean, fourth throw. Fifth throw. Last place. And it's like, oh my goodness. And every time he got up, the crowd would just cheer and cheer. I mean, it was deafening because we were all gathered there and we were all, we just wanted something amazing. On his last throw, he throws an amazing hammer. Catapults him all the way up to the silver medal. Four and a half inches from gold. And the crowd is going wild. I mean, we were all, oh, I don't know. You, you had to be there. But there's something about the synergy that was happening. We were all there. And there was, there was movement. And there was passion. And there was this unity. And we were all focused. And it didn't matter who you're rooting for. You could still root for other people. But whenever Lance got up, we were all intentional. We were all in it together. Let me ask a couple questions. How important do you think the crowd was that day? How important was that gathering in that stadium? That group of people that gathered together to focus on celebrating this spirit of the Olympics. 
How important was it that they deliberately, we all deliberately came together for a focused purpose? And in unity, we, we had this movement. Let me ask another question. What do you think might have happened if the crowd hadn't been there? What do you think would have happened if the crowd hadn't been there to encourage the IOC to look at the rules again? How might the outcome be different if those gathering weren't gathering? How, how might Lance have acted differently had he not had the crowds behind him, cheering him on, this cacophony of people just willing him on to success. Do you believe that the gathering that day made a difference? I think of those questions, and I have the same questions when I look at our passage in Luke. I can't help but feel like there's this cause and effect that's taking place in Luke chapter 5 between what's going on with Peter and what's going on with the crowd. And I I can't help but wondering, you know, you've got these crowds that are pressing in on Jesus and they had gathered to hear Jesus speak the Word of God. How did their intentional gathering impact Peter's life? How did the very fact that they were gathered together to hear the Word of God impact this fisherman who wasn't there gathering but just happened to be there around the gathering. How could the story have been different had the crowds not have been present? Or or if the crowds hadn't deliberately pressed in, giving Peter time to hear and respond to this Jesus? How might Peter's life have been different? What might have happened to Peter? Could you imagine if this crowd wasn't pressing in, what if he would have just been washing his nets and he finished a little faster than normal because he was frustrated because he hadn't caught any fish and he goes home and misses this encounter with Jesus? Or, Or the crowd might not have been any big deal and so he didn't even notice that Jesus was there. He was in his own little world, in his own little bubble. How did the crowd that day impact Peter's life? Had the crowd not been there, would Jesus have needed Peter's boat? You see what I'm saying? There there are lots of cause and effects that directly impact Peter's life because of the crowd that had been gathering. This crowd that probably caused Peter to slow down and to just be present in the moment when Jesus was there. Which is something that we all need, isn't it? We live in a fast-paced world. It's dog-eat-dog. It's climbing this ladder and pushing the limits, don't we? We don't have any time to slow down. We run at breakneck speed and we miss a lot of things because we're so focused on other things. And then you throw on a, a global pandemic and everybody is, has anxiety or frustration wherever you are on the spectrum. 
because of where someone else is on the spectrum. And we don't slow down and we just keep going. There's actually a COVID anxiety that they've identified now. That people are actually, it's almost like PTSD because of COVID. Because we don't slow down and we're anxious and we're frustrated. And, and gathering and scattering is important to help combat our lives and where they go wrong. It, it's important because we get into this rhythm of God's grace. From the very beginning it was work six, rest the seventh. Work six, rest the seventh. This, this work, rest, work, rest. And then it was rest on the seventh, remember, the seventh year. And then it was the year of Jubilee. You rest on the 50th completely. There's this rhythm that gathering and worshiping and, and just resting from all of the craziness of life. And then we go back to it. It's not that we ignore it, but we are intentional about gathering together and understanding where our life comes from and where this rhythm takes place. Gathering and scattering helps us celebrate God in our world. We celebrate what God's doing because we see what God's doing in your life and you see what God's doing in my life and God is moving in this world. And at a time when it feels like everything is going crazy and Boundaries are being invaded on and people are arming missiles and everything is going bonkers. It's good to gather together and celebrate what God is doing. How God's kingdom is advancing in spite of everything else going on in the world. It's good to encourage each other. It's good. We encourage each other simply by being present. Whether you realize it or not, there's someone in this room today that is here that may be at their rope's end. And they need a community that's going to encourage them and welcome them and love them and accept them. I was on a phone call this week with one of my friends. And he said, I go to church and nobody cares about my problems. It's like I'm invisible. Isn't the church supposed to be the place where I feel love and acceptance. We gather because that's one of the places where God's healing takes place in and through us. We gather, and, and it's important simply for us to be present. I don't just mean sitting in the chair, I mean be present. Be present. It's why we try to be intentional in everything we do. We don't just say, hey man, shake hands with five people before you sit down. That's how I grew up. I don't know if that's how you grew up in churches. And there's nothing wrong with that, but all it does is turn into, did you see the game last night? Which, yes, I did, if you notice my Duke basketball socks. Um, but that's what it turns into if we're not intentional. And so we are intentional when we gather because we want everything to focus on the peace and love of Jesus. Because the basketball game, the football game, how your job is going, needing to get a new insurance or whatever it is, will not compensate for this need that we have to be at peace with each other and at peace with God. And so we gather because this is one of the few places where we can come in and we can experience that together. 
It's not the only place, but it is an intentional place. You with me? We gather together to celebrate what God is doing, to be transformed by this Jesus, but we don't gather just to keep it to ourselves. We gather so that we can then scatter. You have people you work with that need to see Jesus. They will maybe never step foot in this sanctuary. How are they going to see Jesus if they don't see it in you? You need to gather so that you are ready to be Jesus for them. We need each other so that we can become more like Jesus so that when we go back into our work and into our families and into our settings and wherever it is, we are this light and this salt that Matthew talks about. We gather so that we can scatter. Because people need to see Jesus. And if people are going to see Jesus, they're going to see it in you. They're going to see Jesus. They're going to see the hope of glory in your life. If you'll let them. Am I saying that you have to be coming to church to be a Christian? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, I feel like Scripture is clear. Whether it's Paul's letters to the house churches that gathered together, whether it's the book of Acts, the life of the church, that is constantly talking about them gathering together whether it's the multiple analogies that we have in the Bible about us being the body and us needing each other, and I can't say to the hand, I don't need you, and, and, but we're all one body, and we all need to be the body together. I, I'm not saying you can't be a Christian if you don't gather. But I might be suggesting that you will never be fully who you were created to be if you take on your spiritual life like a lone ranger. Because there is no silver bullet. Actually, there is. The silver bullet is you being connected with God and being connected with each other. Because that's how you're going to grow. And that's how you then have the courage and the strength and maybe have the new words to say what needs to be said to your neighbor and your coworker and whoever it is. Because you're growing. And that's in the other things. We, we're better together and we don't stay the same. So by the end of this passage in Luke 5, we see Peter completely transformed. Because of this gathering that's taken place, Peter's life is forever different. He's presented with this option for eternal life. He's made aware that Jesus has and is the answer. He's confronted with his own sin. And then he's redeemed and repurposed by Jesus. And we finish the passage with Jesus surrendering, or with Peter surrendering everything and following Jesus 
wherever Jesus says to go. And all that happened because there was a Jesus and there was a Peter. And I don't know how important the crowd played, but I feel like there was an importance somehow. And here's the interesting thing. The crowd gathered, Peter's transformed, and then Jesus and Peter, James, and John leave. They then scatter, but where? why did they scatter? They scatter to go to the next gathering to tell more people about Jesus. They scatter because their mission is to reach others. We gather to encourage, to be renewed, to learn, and then we scatter to tell people about Jesus. To tell them that there's hope. To tell them that they can be changed. That they can be renewed. And it all happens through this Jesus who loves them. We gather and then we scatter to our classrooms and we pray for those kids that drive us crazy. We understand that how they're acting is a result of a lot of things. Their home life, their nutrition, their sleep pattern. We understand that those kids have a lot going on. And so we scatter to our workplace and our schools so that we can pray for them. We scatter to our jobs so that we can work our jobs with integrity. So that when everything else says cut whatever corners you need to to make the extra buck, we can be that integrity and be that person that says, that's not how I do it. I have a different compass. And I'd love to tell you about the compass. But we gather to our workplace, uh, scatter to our workplaces because people there need to see what Jesus looks like. We scatter to our homes because we understand that we, we model best, maybe most, at home. And it's my prayer that we model best at home. Because we have little eyes and little ears that are listening and watching And it doesn't matter if they're three or 43. They're watching. And so we model at homes and we scatter. We worship here and then we scatter back to our homes. And we're Jesus in our homes. And we're people of peace. And when that crazy uncle comes over for Thanksgiving dinner, we're Jesus to that person too because they need the love of Jesus as well. We gather and then we scatter in our hobbies. We, live, we learn this message and we learn how to live it on Sunday and then we live it in front of our friends on Monday. Because we all have friends that will never come to our church no matter how much we ask them, right? But we can't give up on them. If the last three weeks, the 21 days of prayer and fasting have taught us anything, is that there is no lost cause. You do not give up. You pray on, you pray on, you pray on because... The answer is sent the moment we pray. We pray until the delay is no longer there. So we pray for those people that we connect with in our social life and our hobbies. It's in the gathering that we learn from each other and that we see each other and that we become united with each other. And then it's in our scattering that we live our faith, that we live in the middle of the chaos of other people. And we bring this calming presence. In his book, Created for Worship, God's Invitation to Become Fully Human, Brent Peterson says what I'm trying to say, and he says it so much better. So let's just 
Let's read this. Christian communal worship is the glorification of God and the sanctification of humanity as a divine human event where God offers transformation and healing to help people become more fully what God's created them to be and do. God breathes, inhales, and gathers the individual. And we've talked about um, how in the New Testament, the pneuma, this spirit, this breath of God. And in the Old Testament, it's, it's the Hebrew word ruach, and it's this breath of God. God inhales and breathes us in and we gather. He gathers us as individual Christians to heal, transform, and renew as the body of Christ. Oh, sorry. And renew them as the body of Christ to then breathe or exhale them out to continue the ministry of the incarnation that participates in the kingdom of God more fully coming. The consummation of the kingdom will come and God will be all in all. The writer of Hebrews says it this way in Hebrews chapter 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work. Let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but let's encourage one another, especially now that the day of, the, of his return is drawing near. Let's don't neglect being together. Let's motivate each other so that we can become more fully human as we are breathed in and inhaled into the Spirit of God. So that as we are exhaled and sent out and scattered, we have this oxygen of God, this Spirit of God, this breath of God in us that we are taking to the people who quite honestly can't catch a breath. This is our calling. This is why gathering is so important. This is why it's so important that we have this rhythm of breathing in, resting, being inhaled by the ends of the Spirit of God so that we can be sent out by the Spirit of God. Gathering is such an important thing. There's something that unites and transforms us when we come together. I love, I love seeing the Olympics. You know, Friday night, everybody marches in and they're in their own countries and they have their own flags and they're together, but they are very scattered. And then 16 days later on the closing ceremonies, there are no country flags. There are no individual countries. They intentionally come in together as one mass, as a united group. They gather together one last time as a united people so that they can then go home to their individual places and scatter and represent the Olympic spirit well. 2,000 years ago, people gathered to hear the word of Jesus and they came as individuals and we don't know how all of them left, but we know how Peter, James, and John left. They left transformed, and they left from that gathering to be scattered, and they left everything to follow Jesus so that they could then go from that place of gathering and they could scatter into the ends of the earth and represent the Spirit of God wherever they go. Today, we still gather and we scatter. 
on Sundays, in different ministries, in small groups throughout the week, in Sunday school classes, in teen groups. We gather so that we're empowered. We're empowered with the Spirit of God, not so that we can become more and more and more, but so that we have the power we need to then take Jesus to the world that needs it. We gather so that we can scatter. And the beauty is scattered places eventually become gathered places when the Spirit of God is in you. Because wherever you go, you become a gathering for the Holy Spirit if you'll make yourself available. Let's, uh, let's, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. You know, we talk about... Uh, at our church, we have this try five challenge. We say, try us for five weeks and, you know, see if we're the church for you. And if we're not, we'll help you find the right church. And we really do believe that. But more, important, more importantly, more than people coming to our church, we want people to come to Jesus. And you're who is supposed to be bringing them to Jesus. Not this building. Not this pastor. I have my own people that I'm supposed to be being Jesus. I'm supposed to be light and salt to. First Peter says we are a group of royal priesthoods. We are all sent. We are all representatives of Jesus. So yeah, do I want you to try five? Absolutely. People who call this place home, I would love for you to try five too. Come five weeks in a row. That would be a huge accomplishment for a lot of us. But more importantly, I want you to understand the importance of gathering and taking in God's Spirit so that when you are exhaled into the world and you are scattered, you have something to share. You're not anemic. You have this life breath of God through this spirit that lives in you. That's what I care about. Jesus, I pray that you will help us. We take in a breath and we let it out. We breathe in, we breathe out. Honestly, 99% of the time we do it as a reflex. We don't even think about it. Jesus, what would it be like if we could live for you and it's so natural for us to gather and scatter that we don't even think about it. It's almost like a reflex spiritually. We can't help but have conversations turn toward spiritual things because that's our reflex. We inhale, we exhale, we gather, we scatter, we we grow and we are transformed so that we can help others see this light. Jesus, that's what we want. Would you do that in us? Will you help us to become that type of people? God, I pray that you will help us to understand the importance of being together. I pray that you help us understand the importance that it doesn't necessarily even have to be 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, but there are people that can gather together on Sunday evenings and at golf courses and at bowling alleys and at restaurants and at work cubicles and 
God, the important thing is that we are gathering into your spirit so that we can be made new to impact others. I pray that you will make us this way. Help us to surrender whatever is keeping us from being completely yours. God, I'm, I'm just always amazed by Peter. This rough hothead that had the wherewithal to realize that he was so unworthy. And then just had the gall to believe you when you said you would make him completely different. And he left everything because he trusted you. Will you make us more like Peter? We pray this today, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Do you ever look up the word communion? You get a... A definition about what we're doing here, we share the what they call the sacraments. Some of it has to do with, uh, they talk about the communion of churches. And it was funny, when I look at the definition a while back, it was, well, the Eastern churches don't have communion with Rome. I'm like, that's really weird. Their example was a negative one, how we don't do it right. But the other definition was, when we have close thoughts and feelings, intimate thoughts and feelings together. And so I don't want to look at communion today. I often uh, think about it as though I'm there with the disciples sitting around and Jesus kind of springs this on them. And he's like, hey, I'm going to be broken for you. My blood's going to be shed for you. I'm going to come at it from where we actually are today. It has happened already. The knowledge of the crucifixion and why it happened is already here. And this goes off the, the theological rails for some people, and it may be at odds with what you believe. And uh, But you are here today, and you're here because something drew you here. You want to know Jesus. You want whatever it is, that crazy stuff that he's offering. And I don't believe you need to profess something in a certain way. I don't believe that you have to be part of some man-made membership to participate in something we call communion. The blood of Jesus was shed for you regardless of who you are and what you've done and what creed you have or have not professed. So if you would like to participate with us today and you feel you've been told in the past, "Uh, that's not for me, well, that's not for you. I've been placed with this. Said, you can't do this. You haven't gone our way. You haven't said the right words. There were some choice words I can't say in church that describe my feelings for that. Jesus said, this is for you. All of you that want it, it is there. So I, as a sinner, currently still a sinner, He's working hard to redeem me. I'm still figuring out how to let things go. He said, Jesus said, Jason, my body was broken for you, regardless of who you are, who you've been, and, and the poor traje- trajectory you might be on right now. 
I am more merciful and graceful than you'll ever imagine. So as we grow together, working on a car yesterday, my fingers are really slippery. It's hard to get open. But Christ said, this is my body broken for you. Whether you wanted it or not at the time, broken for you. When you, as a community, eat together, remember me. So let's eat. And there's long been a tradition in many cultures about sacrifice being redemptive. And Jesus said, I am the final sacrifice no longer is any of that necessary. I died for you. He said, you who are there here with me right now and those of you who come always and forever, you are redeemed by my blood if you choose that. So let's drink together and know that all of us, it doesn't matter how we are raised, where we came from, we all are in community right now. Let's drink together. Father, we praise you for you are so loving and so forgiving. And there's no boundaries with you. You see us all the way through. Everything is evident to you before we even confess it. And you still just take us and you hear us and you forgive us. We praise you, Father. There's none like you. Amen. We're going to sing our benediction, and our benediction is a prayer for the scattering, um, that God will be with us in all these places of our lives. So we sing with me. We sing, hallelujah, let your kingdom come in our hearts, in our homes. Let your will be done as we go in your name. We shout and we proclaim. Let your will be done in us. Have a great week. Angela, I'm going to ask you, can you put the Right Now Media picture on? If you need the text or the QR code, we'd love to have you sign up for Right Now Media. But check your email first. You may have it.